0: This is Jim Wallace, speaking for the soul of the nation. Today as I speak, I literally believe the soul of the nation is at stake. So is the integrity of faith. On Ash Wednesday, which began our season of Lent, a group of church leaders, all of us old enough to be called elders, met together in a private retreat. We experienced a deep sense of lament for the moral and political crisis we now find ourselves in and the way it has unfolded. And appropriate to Lent, we expressed prayers of deep confession for the church's silence and even complicity in this crisis at the highest levels of political leadership in this nation. And we realized that as elders in the churches, we have a responsibility So we decided to say something, to write something, to pen a statement, which we are now calling Reclaiming Jesus. It means, let's bring Jesus back. We're not listening to Jesus. We're silencing Jesus. We're paying no attention to the Jesus of the Gospels. How do we reclaim the Jesus that lived and died and was resurrected? That Jesus... That the early Christian says is Lord. As elders, we are commending what we believe to the churches at this critical time. So there's almost a liturgical arc, let's say, from Ash Wednesday, a time of prayer, lament, and repentance, and discernment to say, what should we do and say as church elders? We took our time with this. This isn't just a media soundbite. This is a statement from deep in the hearts of church elders. So we're announcing here now on Palm Sunday. Now that's interesting because on Palm Sunday, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, and he chose a humble donkey for his entry, sending a clear signal that this is a different kind of king, a different kind of kingdom, and it has arrived. That was on the east gate of the city near the Mount of Olives. Literally, at the west gate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, was also entering the city on horseback with his cavalry and his Roman soldiers. The contrast was very clear and meant to be. Jesus wasn't there by accident. He knew what he was doing. He was sending a signal. And after he was crucified, and resurrected from the dead on Easter, which we will soon celebrate. The early church made a declaration after Jesus' resurrection that said, Jesus is Lord. Now, what that clearly meant at that time was a political statement. If Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. And that's how that statement from the early Christians was taken at the time. Jesus is Lord for us and Caesar is not, nor any other political ruler. We as church elders, in the statement of reclaiming Jesus, are saying it is time for a fresh declaration of that affirmation that Jesus is Lord and no other political ruler is. There's no private Jesus There's only Jesus Christ and his kingdom, which came to turn things upside down. So it's time for us to ride into the capital city again like Jesus did. Let's reclaim Jesus for our time and our place. That's what's most crucial. The question is always we have to ask, who is Jesus Christ for us today, right now? We are announcing this statement at Palm Sunday after an Ash Wednesday Lenten season of prayer and reflection and discernment. And now we are taking it to the churches in the season where we say, Jesus is risen, Jesus is Lord, and we're launching this, launching this from our churches on Pentecost Sunday. I don't suggest, I I plead with you to read the statement, plead with you. It says things like, We believe that each human being is made in God's image and likeness. Therefore, we reject the resurgence of white nationalism and racism in this nation, including the highest levels of political leadership. That is an offense to the image of God. It says, we believe we are one body in Christ, all of us, Therefore, we reject the misogyny, the mistreatment, the violent abuse, sexual harassment, and assault of women. And when such practices against women are publicly ignored and thus privately condoned by those at high positions of leadership, we have a problem that's more than politics. We believe that how we treat the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and the imprisoned is how we treat Christ himself. Because he tells us that in Matthew 25. As you treat the least of these, that's how you treat me. It was me, he says. I was hungry. I was poor. I was vulnerable. Therefore, we reject language and policies of political leaders that would debase and abandon the most vulnerable children of God. We deplore the growing attacks on immigrants and refugees and, and uh, low-income families and taking health care away from the poorest people who need it most. We deplore that in the name of Jesus. We believe the truth— is morally central to our personal and public lives. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Therefore, we reject the practice and pattern of lying that is invading our politics and civil life. A post-truth society is antichrist. And so the undermining of truth is for us not just a a bad thing for democracy, it's a theological problem. We believe the Christ's way of leadership is servanthood, service, not domination. So we therefore reject any and all moves toward autocratic leadership and authoritarian rule. We believe in democracy as church leaders, not because human beings are perfect, but because they're not. We need checks and balances. We need the rule of law. And when that's being threatened, when democracy itself is being threatened, we think that's a theological issue and not just a political one. We believe, finally, that we're part of a global community in the body of Christ, the most diverse human community on the planet. Uh, God so loved the world, we read in our scriptures. So we reject, therefore, America First as a theological heresy for followers of Jesus. Sure, we love our country, but we will oppose this xenophobia, this nationalism, this putting our nation above all others. We're going to oppose that. That's wrong. Jesus is Lord. He is the light in our darkness. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. So we want to be followers of Jesus in this moment, to say what he would say, to do what he would do, to make people know that we belong to him. This isn't partisan. This isn't political. This isn't Republican, Democrat. This this is about being faithful to Jesus Christ. We can't let our faith be politicized and made into a partisan instrument. People have weaponized religion politically. And that must not be done. So when we say Jesus is Lord, it means Caesar is not. And as elders, we're saying our job is to speak the truth in love to our churches when we are being captivated by ideologies and idols and cultural uh, cultural captivities like racism and misogyny. These things will separate us from God. And that's why we're speaking as elders, because we care about uh, the spiritual vitality of the churches, our integrity, the quality of our faith. And if we, if we remain silent and don't speak because of our fears of partisan politics, we're really diminishing our faith. I have been speaking to pastors across the country uh, for months now, and many of them want to speak. They see things that are wrong, that are contrary to their faith, to authentic Christian faith. And they want to speak, but they're afraid. They're afraid of dividing their congregations in a partisan way. They're afraid of reaction to them. They're afraid of losing their jobs, afraid of losing their pensions. They're afraid of not being able to support their families. And they're saying to me, literally, I want to speak. I don't know how, and I'm afraid to speak when people speak out, there are reprisals that come from wealth and power. Let's raise these questions in our congregation with prayer and reflection and discernment. Let's look at this together in light of what Jesus says. So I think we need courage, and need to encourage each other to speak up and speak out at this time, because I think the soul of the nation is at stake. I think democracy is is literally at stake. I think who we are as a nation, who we want to be, what we're becoming in the world, all of that's at stake. And that means also that our faith, the integrity of our faith, is also at stake. So this provides, I hope, some courage and encouragement. This is Jim Wallace for the soul of the nation. And I'm pleading with you to raise these issues in your congregations, your schools, your workplaces. And then on Pentecost, let's take our faith to the streets the way the early Christians did for the sake of the soul of the nation and the integrity of the faith we say we believe. Thank you, and God bless you.